We've been uh, on for a minute. Yeah. But I'll slay oh, have we? if we're ready. Damn yeah. it. Again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to have to erase that herpes part. I think I might do this whole episode in Christopher Walken's voice. So, wow. if anybody has got an issue with the host, it's a good show. Uh, <laughs> it just goes to show. And uh, now she catches more fish than I do, so I'm grown to regret that. That does sail. It's like, man, I really hope I'm not overselling this. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Probably, I was very, very fat. I, was, I mean, I was at least five pounds heavier um, then than I was now. And, uh, you know, we, you know, they you say. You carried it all in your face. <laughs> Whether we're elk hunting or mule deer hunting or whitetail hunting, I mean, that's that's the uh, the epicenter, the, the climax of, of the year, the hunting season for us, the hunting year. Yeah, prime after time. That, yeah. Can he say climax? I did. That, I think yeah, I can okay. say that. We, do we have to mute that? <laughs> worse, there's nothing worse than breaking your boots back out again in the spring for shed hunting or whatever it is, and they just smell like the local bowling alleys, rented them out for <laughs> three months straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I also learned over the course of the weekend that uh, a thigh master can be an incredible upper body workout. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's what I learned. Welcome back to another one, though. Episode of The Crave. We're in Clintonville, Wisconsin. Yes. Traveling caravan has gone from Duluth to uh, and Superior to Pelican Lake, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and now we're in Clintonville, the home of the truckers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Nate's first time to Wisconsin. I mean, uh, like, first time anywhere outside of Superior. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is a lot more than Superior. So. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Nate's a big that's Packer cool. fan, which is cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, being in Oregon, it's nice to have. <laughs> Another Packer fan out Fellow there. Fellow Cheesehead. Yeah, right. yeah, for yeah. sure. So I was pretty excited when Jake moved out. Now there's two of us in Oregon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Battle all the freaking Seahawk fans and right? 49er <laughs> fans out there. So if you're listening, eat it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're here. Um, we're here with uh, Dean Muthig, owner, operator, janitor, right? Um, accountant of... A little bit of everything. Yeah. What do, you, what do you got going on? Uh, I do a deer recovery service here in, uh, in Wisconsin, and um, we recover wounded deer for people who can't find their deer when they shoot them. Um, kind of a conservation tool, I guess. Yeah, say. yeah. How long have you been at it? Uh, I've 12 years. Last year was my 12th year doing it. This will be my 13th year coming in. Um, but uh, I, I was a diehard bow hunter like you guys, um, and... Still are? Uh, you, well, you, I like to do it, but this <laughs> yeah. takes up a little more of my time. I, a sure. friend of mine said, uh, bow hunting got me into tracking dogs, and tracking dogs got me out of bow hunting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, So it consumes a lot of my time in the fall. Uh, once, once opening day comes around, Yeah. Um, my time in the woods is not as much, for sure. Do, do, you, find yourself, like, do you find yourself having to be available? I can't go be I, sitting I, in the tr- stand and get a text and take off? Or? Um, usually, usually what I'll do is I'll, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I would wait for phone calls per se, 
But uh, if I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go hunting one night or whatever the case may be, and I get a phone call and I want to go hunt, it's gotten to the point now where I will take a call over hunting for myself. Um, I just like doing it that much. So it's become kind of a passion. You know, I've always loved dogs and I've loved bow hunting and it's a way for me to kind of to mold both of them together. Um, so it's kind, of, it's kind of become a, you know, it's my hunting, I guess you could say. So. Yeah, I mean, you are hunting in a way for sure. Right, yeah. right. Um, and, and to be there uh, when a hunter is at their lowest of lows, you know, and, and having the potential to, it, to be, a, you know, a, a definite high for them, it's, it's pretty neat to see. Um, grown men giving you hugs and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, it's kind of yeah. weird, but um, no, it's re really satisfying a lot of times, for sure. Yeah. And what was, what's the name of your business? Muck Dogs. Muck Dogs. Um, everybody asks, how do, how do you, where, where does Muck Dogs come yes. from? Um, I played a little minor league baseball and I played for the Muck Dogs, Batavia Muck Dogs. So um, I just kind of tied that in there. Yeah. But that's where the name, that's where the name came from. I, I knew you played, uh, or at least you know what I was getting confused was with the uh, the Cecil Mudhens, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I think before you we did this uh, and before we traveled over here, I was like, I think Dean played ball for the mud or you know for the for the Muck Dogs, and right. I was confusing the two. Sure, sure. So not to be confused with the Cecil Mudhens. Yeah, yeah. Two uh, completely yeah. different. Yeah. Com completely different teams. <laughs> um, no, so that that was where the name came from, and. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of guys in the area that do it, but um, it doesn't seem like that, that there's enough to go around at really? the same time. There's there's a more, um, there's, mean, there's probably five guys within probably 30 miles of here that do it. Really? And um, but, but when it when it comes but when it comes time you know when it comes hunting season yeah it just doesn't seem like there's there's enough. a lot of bad shots out there. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> you know you didn't you never really think of it until you start doing something like this. You never really Never really, it's really eye-opening, to be honest with you, um, the amount of, of deer that get wounded or just guys that can't find them. Bad trackers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bad or or they're not even so much bad shots all the time. They're mm -hmm. just, do, you know, the, their post-shot routine, they might mm -hmm. push the deer earlier or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. They, they just, People um, don't think right after they shot a big buck. Right. Or any deer for that yep. matter. Yep. Um, I did that last year with an average-sized doe. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I, and I've, I've said this of quite a few times. I, I don't know how many times I've had this conversation with people. Is I really, I almost think that it should be part of hunter safety, um, or if it be bow hunters safety, or whatever the case may be, is to have something in there about the post shot. What do I do? You know, what do I do? Follow, you know, following a shot on a deer. All these different things that go through your, that you should be doing. Yeah. Um, like when I was when I was a kid, when I was twelve or whatever the case may be, my brother was the one that told me, you know, watch where the deer goes and watch where you last saw it, and and you know Pay all these different yeah, all these different in the body language of the deer and all this different yeah. stuff that you know that I'm asking people on the phone, they've never been and taught they can't that tell before, you. Yeah. right? And they don't know, um, so, but you know, it all happens just in a split second. So it's hard, you know, for somebody to remember that. Well, I don't know. I thought it was here. I thought it was there, or whatever the case may be. And, um, but then when you get out to the woods, too, everything everything yeah. changes. And something was standing here, but it really wasn't here. It was yeah. ten yards that way, or whatever the case may be. But a lot of misremembering. Yeah, right. I had that case this year when I shot my deer. To be honest with you, 
then it was only 20 yards, you know, 20, 23 yards away. And I, I'm, t- I was going through my head and, you know, I'm telling all these, these people to do all these things. And now I can't find my arrow. I could, I thought the deer was standing right here, Yeah. you know, but I can't find it. I can't find my arrow. I know it passed through. Where did it yeah. go? Mm-hmm. And then you start to second guess yourself. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of a hypocrite here telling people <laughs> to do all these things. And I can't even remember it myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I remember my dad a couple of years ago, he shot his biggest buck to date. And I mean, you know, my dad, he's yeah. been hunting forever and he's shot a ton of deer and, and I, he called me on the phone and he had told me and I could just hear the excitement in his voice. And, you know, he told me what he was doing and I had to tell him, I said, you got to, you got to back out of there. Yep. I said, just leave it, just leave it. And you go back in the morning. I said, you're not going to, you're not going anywhere right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So how did you get it? I mean, how'd you get into it? Um, and you'll be able to relate to this. It was 12, 13 years ago, uh, opening, opening weekend. And that was back. And when we had earn a buck in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I had shot a doe opening opening night. And so if, if you're listening, you don't know what earn a buck is. It means you have to... Shoot a doe, and then you you get a buck tag. Right. So it was kind of the herd reduction strategy that yeah. the DNR threw upon us at the time. And everybody ran out and tried to freaking shoot yep. the first doe they saw. Yeah, doe or fawn or yeah. whatever it was. And I had a doe come in, and I she was <laughs> quartered away pretty hard. And I, and I put a good shot on her. I... Um, and it passed, it passed through and, um, we tracked it probably 40 acres and just got to an alfalfa field and, and had a hard time finding blood. And, um, so we, it was, it was late. It was midnight by that time. And we had just given up for the night and I, I said, I was going to come back. Well, I had to work the next day. I had school the next day. Um, so I ended up, I had been reading about using dogs f- for tracking, you know, tracking deer. And I had never done it. I had this German short hair at home. She's, you know, two or three years old. And, and, uh, I thought I'm just going to give it a try and see what happens. And I took her out there with no prior training or anything like that. And I put her on the track and I, you know, she had been a, a duck dog and a bird dog before. And I just told her to hunt dead. And she pulled me right down, right down the existing blood trail across all the way across this alfalfa field. Um, into a cornfield and and took me right to the deer. Really? Yeah. It was it was 27 or 28 hours later. Wow. Um, that she did wow. that, and in the That's it was awesome. you know in the mid 80s that day, the deer was no good, but it, I got my Arnabuck tag. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it counts. That, it counts. Yeah, right. Right. So that's <laughs> that's how I got started in it, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Um, you know, we we tracked 15 or 20 deer a year. Um, with her for the past, you know, several years. And then, uh, when I got my new dog, uh, we started taking on more tracks and we probably do close to 50 a year now. Really? Yeah. So, um, and that's as many as I can, that I have time for, you know, um, the amount of phone calls that come in, um, 250 to 300 phone calls a year. Um, there's, there's days in the rut in the peak of the rut when the phone will ring 25 times before noon. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it, it, it's and it's generally within an hour of this area. Yeah. So if you think about, you know, we're in a pretty a pretty good deer area here in Wisconsin, um, but you, you know, you draw an hour radius around here, and that's where the majority of my calls are coming from. And even a lot of times closer than that, yeah. I can stay busy all fall within twenty twenty five minutes of here. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy to think that there are that many deer out there that are that are wounded, but you know, I can only do 
so many in a day. You know, the dog can do two or three in a day on a weekend. But, on, you know, when I have to work the next day, um, I'll, I'll try to get out at night. And when you have a family and you're married and whatever else, um, I'm thankful that I have a wife that, that uh, <laughs> is pretty understanding. And, you know, once the kids are in bed, I'm able to kind of go do my thing and, you know, I lose some sleep at night. But yeah. um, other than that. Uh, but you're doing what you love. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it is a... This guy's like a superhero. He puts his cape on. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Cloak of night. <laughs> yeah. Right. Get home at three in the morning and yeah. go back to school the next day. Get up at six to go to school. And so this isn't your full-time gig. No, no, I'm a school teacher. Yes. So you're super rich. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, that's what all the kids think. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you've got the two dogs that you run then? Um, or yeah, you, you I have, have one now that'll be my primary dog. My old dog is retired now. She re- last year she only did two tracks. She's getting she's 13 now, so mm. um, she's getting to be where she's earned her retirement. No doubt. Um, yeah. And my main dog now will be five this summer. Um, and she kind of, that's kind of her gig. Cool. She, that's what she's specifically bred for. She's a Bavarian Mountain Scent Hound. Mm. Uh, nice. So she's a German, a little German dog uh, that's been bred, you know, that breed has been bred for hundreds of years just to track win a game. Sure. So, so they're, they're pretty instinctive with it right yeah, out of the gate? Um, or you have, or there if wasn't you've done a much ton training. of training to go in, involved in. The, <clears> the, the, the most of the training was me learning her more than, you know, I can't teach the dog to do that. Um, but it's more me learning her body language and how she is when she's on track and what she's like when she's off track and, and all that other stuff like that. Um, but just bringing out that natural instinct doesn't really take a ton, you know, in a, in a breed that's, you know, that's like a teaching a pointing dog to point. You don't really don't teach them to point. They, they, they come out of it's It's crazy to think that they come out of the womb doing that. I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch, but, um, so what do you think, like, what's a, do you think other trainers, I mean, what's a, what's a common mistake people do with dogs? I'm just thinking about what you just said, you know, they're just so instinctive about this. Do people kind of try to I overtrain? Mean, um, I wouldn't say, some, some people get a, a little bit crazy in, in uh, especially with hounds. Hounds aren't like a, like a lab or something like that to take the training, like repetitive, repetitive training. Um, where you can maybe overtrain with a hound where they might get bored from it. Um, but the biggest thing, you know, and I'm still guilty of it every once in a while, is thinking you're a little smarter than the dog is. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're on track and yeah. you think, there's no way the deer went this way, but the dog yeah. wants to go that way. Yeah. You know, where you pull the dog off. And, I, and I've done it a number of times. And, in, you know, as many times as I've done it, you know, as many times as I've been on tracks and trained and, and whatever else, um, 99% of the time, the dog is, is right. Um, but you, you think you know better. Sure. Um, it's like second-guessing your rangefinder. Yeah, right, right? <laughs> yeah. It, it gets, to, it gets yeah. to be one of those things where you kick yourself because, you know, I pulled myself off and cost myself. You end up finding the deer yet, but end up costing yourself two or three extra hours in the woods, searching around, trying to direct the dog somewhere where the deer didn't go. And the dog is probably thinking to itself the whole time, like, you moron, what are you doing? Um, but I think that's the biggest thing is not trusting, trusting the dog, um, especially with, even with young inexperienced dogs, they, their nose is so much better than our eyes um, that I think you lose trust. And I, even now, my, this dog that I have now is very seasoned. She's, 
you know, found almost a hundred deer. And, wow. and she, so she knows her job. I mean, she knows what she's doing, but I'll still think every once in a while I have trust issues with her. Like, mm, I don't know <laughs> if that's right or not, you know? And it, yeah, it, where, you know, you think this deer is going to stick to cover and the dog wants to track out into an open field. Right. Like what that doesn't make any sense. You know, you think maybe we're using they, logic or right, what, what, right? We, what we assume is logic, right. logical. Right. You know, and but you know, sometimes a dying animals wound, will do weird exactly. stuff. Exactly. I was just <laughs> yeah, going to say yeah, that yeah. a wounded animal or dying animal really isn't, yeah. you know, they're just running. Thinking, mm -hmm. yeah, straight. So, but uh, how many dogs you got? I have four. I have four dogs. Four um, pack. Yeah, four pack. That's not the one man wolf pack. <laughs> um, but no, it's, uh, I have four dogs. I have that, the old short hair. I have a 10 year old lab that I bird hunt with. Um, I have this Bavarian that's going to be five, and then I have a plot hound uh, that I run coon and, and bear with. Um, I'm just a dog guy, man. Yeah. I, I kind of got a little bit of everything, but yeah, um, that's cool. If you can hunt it yeah. with a dog, you're on I'll, it. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Like I said, I just love dogs, love hunting dogs. Do you ever think okay. about being a policeman, like canine unit? You know, I, I, I just, actually, my wife and I had this conversation yeah. uh, the other day, and I said, you know, I really, I think I could really do that. I really like that. Well, yeah. what, what, what's stopping you? Yeah. What's stopping you? Yeah. I'm like, well, I, there's no guarantee that you're going to be a canine handler. You got to yeah. kind of think, you got to kind of go and be an officer first. Yeah. Um, I just like to do the yeah. canine thing. Yeah. Um, actually, a couple summers ago, I went in, down to Missouri and trained with a guy who does uh, police handling. He trains police dogs or whatever. He, he does um, the bite work and the drug detection and, and bomb detection and, um, and then like man trailing too. And we worked with him, a, a friend of mine and I, we went down there and we worked on leash handling stuff where um, how to handle the dog. You know, you think you know a lot already, but um, brought his world into our world and kind of intermixed him a little bit. But... Uh, it was pretty neat to watch. We got to watch one of his bite dogs do his thing, and um, was it? It's pretty intense. Pretty intense. Man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you you wouldn't think. Uh, did you throw the suit on? I did not. Oh. I did not. I got to hold the dog yeah. when he had his bite sleeve on, and uh, it was a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Um, Germans. It was a Belgian Malinois, um, and that was a super super intense dog, and so like obedient and well trained too. And it was it was trained in. Uh, it was from Slovakia and it was trained in Slovak and wow, oh. it was, so the handlers had to learn the Slovak. Commands. Yeah. Well, he, he had, he had lived there for a couple of years, oh, mm -hmm. um, gotcha. but, uh, so he, he knew it, but it was, it was pretty neat. I was walking the dog back to the van. He's like, put the dog in the van. And the dog had the bite sleeve in its, in its mouth. Yes. And he's like, give it, give it the out command. And I, I couldn't remember yeah. what it was in Slovak. And I'm like, what is it again? And he yelled it from across the yard, and the dog just split it. He wow. just spit it out on the ground and kept walking. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's pretty awesome. He would just hold on to it until you tell him to drop it. I mean, literally, in you know, it's it's biting on this bite sleeve, and all he has to do is just say the the word, and it stops. That's like, impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell my students uh, all the time. I said uh, my dogs listen better than, yeah. than you guys do, <laughs> but. Where do you get your dogs? Um, this one I, I got from a breeder down uh, by by Madison, but um, I, I'm a member of a German uh, German club, uh, the the club, the parent club 
out of Germany for our breed. It's the club for the Bayer Eicher Gebirgsweisen, which is kind of the German deal of it. But it translates into the Bavarian <laughs> Mountain Bloodhound. You're just showing off. Right, right. But I'm a member of the German club, and in our club, we kind of, people think it's almost like a cult type deal, but we're really passionate about this breed of dog um, and protecting the breeding of it and the, um, what the Germans have done you know, for so many years into producing these dogs. Um, but anyways, our club has been importing those dogs from Germany and from Europe. Um, so all the, you know, a lot of our club members now are getting puppies from okay. Germany or from Europe. So my next pup will actually probably be from uh, a friend of mine whose his dog has um, tested, done all the, the hunt tests and all the stuff to pass the, you know, the club requirements to breed. So the dog has to prove itself in the German club um, by the health, the health test. It has to be healthy, um, has to be the correct confirmation. So it has to look the part and then it has to pass a very rigid hunt test where it tracks and gun, sen gun sensitivity and all this other kind ah. of stuff before they're bred. Um, but that's what makes them so good. Yeah. Um, so that's where our pups are coming from now. But my friend, my friend Matt, um, hopefully this winter we'll be breeding his, his female and, and he's offered me a pup from there. So that'll be my next one. I hope, yeah. I hope so. Um, but it's a pretty neat deal. I mean, uh, it's intense. This isn't like, uh, you know, the old farm dog. No, no. And, and it's the not truck. to say that, not to say that another dog, um, and any other breed couldn't do it, but to have a dog that specializes in it, yeah. you know, that that's, it's, you know, it's thing. That's what it does. What it's been bred to do for forever. Um, it's no different than my, my plot hound that they've been bred forever to be big game dogs. I mean, they, you, not any dog can just run and do that. Um, you know, you can get a dog that does it, but might not do it as well. Um, you know, or you, I say <clears throat> you could take anybody and, um, you could put your, your dog that, that likes, likes food or likes, you know, you, you have a dog, name a dog that doesn't like to eat meat <laughs> yeah, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you could take a deer that had been shot and it's been an easy track or whatever the case may be. And, and that dog could probably find it, yeah. you know, it's a hundred yards and it's blood everywhere. The dog could, I mean, close his eyes and find it. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking where it's been a day or more and you're a three quarters of a mile track and there's no blood and there's been a half dozen people walking over it, that takes a different kind of it's dog. Been rained on or right, right. Rained yeah. on and in the heat and whatever else, um, where that scent is, there's just, you know, minuscule scent there. And for that dog to be able to focus through that and to track through that, you know, or the case where you shoot one and you know, in Wisconsin, you might, you might shoot and there might be 25 deer <laughs> that are, that have used that same trail, yeah. you know, or that night, you know, you get deer that are coming in and out of a food plot or whatever the case may be. And there might, there might be a hundred deer there. Um, and that dog is able to, to pick out that particular deer really and track it through that. It's outrageous. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, it's neat to watch, Yeah, you know, yeah. it's neat to watch, stand behind them and watch them do their thing. That's neat. So what kind of traits do you, besides the breed themselves, there, well, you kind of touched on that too, gun sensitivity yeah, and some yeah, other things. Yeah, well, I thought the dog, I mean, this is a natural um, <clears throat> tendency to use its nose. Um, I wouldn't say really obedient, but a dog that is really driven because um, you want a dog to quit on track if it gets too hard. Um, so almost, almost hard-headed and driven to a, to a fault 
kind of makes them kind of a pain everywhere else. Yeah. But they're really, <laughs> yeah. they're really good at their job. You know, this particular dog, um, my wife will tell you too, that um, she's destroyed more things oh, really? around our house <laughs> um, than any of our other dogs combined. Um, but she's driven. She has to be busy doing something. And if she's not, she's <laughs> wrecking something. Yeah. Um, she's not going to lay on her bed all day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we have our yard is fenced in in the back. And if she's outside, she's patrolling the perimeter of the yard. Yeah. I mm. mean, she'll be out there for three hours and she's just going to. She's got a trail worn in the yard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, she's got to work. And, you know, and that's what she's bred to do. And, and, and I said, you know, if she wasn't so good at her, what she does, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have that dog just as a yeah. pet. Not that they're not a, a people dog or a nice dog, but they're, they're made to work. Yeah. You know, there's a lot not, more going on in there. Yeah. In, yeah. In they're, they're, I said the, um, the wiring from their nose to their brain is really good, but the rest of it, I think there's a short circuit somewhere, <laughs> you know, yeah, it yeah. took her a lot longer to learn things. And yeah. I shouldn't say even learn things. I think she's a little more hard headed than any of my other dogs that I've ever had. Gotcha. You know, they know it, but they just don't want that. Eh, whatever. They do it on their own terms. Yeah. So they kind of got to be independent though, too, yeah. you know, when you're in that, that, yeah. uh, especially if you're trying to pull them off the tr track. Right. And she keeps going back <laughs> and keeps going back and yeah. keeps going back. We've had that happen a few times. And then, then she just comes up and jumps on me like, what, what, why? Yeah. Come what on, dude. Doing? Trust me. <laughs> what are you doing? Do they get pretty amped up when you, uh, I mean, they know when you're going out on Oh a, yeah. Yeah. People ask all the time, is she cold? <clears throat> is yeah. she cold? Because she'll come out of my dog box and she'll sit on the tailgate. We go through the same routine. Uh, all the time we put her tracking collar on we put her harness on we put all that stuff on and she's just like she's shaking she's just shaking We're like was she cold she's cold she's cold i'm like she's not cold she's excited she knows and she's whining you know the whole time when we're doing yeah. that every know, fiber's oh, bursting yeah. at the seams yeah, she's, she just amped, wants she's to go. amped up to do what yeah. she does so um that's what she lives for i mean so take us like take us through a a call guy calls you and you got to run out you know you run out to their probably where you know meet them up at the, at the farm or whatever. Yep. And, and then how does that go down? Usually, um, before I even take a call, usually there's a, there's a series of questions that I, you know, that I'll ask that, um, it kind of paints a picture to me as to what, what I'm getting into before I go out there. And I, um, whether it's even worth taking the dog out on because not all, I mean, especially with archery equipment, you're not, not every deer is mortally wounded. You know, I mean, you might have a shoulder shot or a meat wound or whatever the case may be. And you can usually, you know, you can usually sift those out just in a phone interview. Um, but um, I'll ask a series of those questions. And if, if I decide it's something that, you know, that we're, we, can, we can probably recover or uh, there's a chance of recovering or whatever the case may be, we'll go out to where, they, where they're hunting and, and uh, we usually walk out to the hit site, you know, I'll get the dog geared up and whatever. And we, we get ready and we, they walk us out to their stand and we always start, um, at the hit site where they shot the deer. And that's just to get the dog accustomed to the scent of that deer. Um, cause they may have tracked it already 40 acres or a half mile or whatever the case may be. And they want to pick up where they left off. Well, I want to give the dog a fighting chance, yeah. you know, so I have that dog, I want to get the dog accustomed to that particular deer scent, even if there's a blood trail or whatever the case may be. Um, and then we can, we kind of go from there, but I usually try to keep the, the hunter or anybody else behind me and kind of let the dog do its thing. And the dog has to, in Wisconsin, in every state is different. Um, but in Wisconsin, the dog has to be on a leash. Um, oh, really? So I have a 30 foot, 
I have a 30 foot lead, <laughs> which kind of yeah. stinks. It's really kind of a handicap more than yeah. anything. Yeah. It's always um, getting hung up on things. Yeah. Probably. Um, but so I said, you know, she's got a 30 foot leash or, you know, leather lead that we use. And, um, we should just kind of let her do her thing. And, um, a lot of times I'll have the hunter or somebody else behind me. If I find blood or whatever the case may be, if the dog points out blood, um, we'll tell them I'll mark the spot and they walk up and they stand that last blood and we just keep going from there. Um, cause it's tough. I, I mean, you know how guys are, hunters are. Oh yeah. They're and right up in your yeah. back pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. and a lot of times I got to tell them to back off cause sometimes that can be, if there's one guy, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, but if there's a, you know, if you get an entourage, do you yeah. kind of try to, they already I try to for discourage backups. them from bringing too many people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, a lot of people want to see the dog work or whatever the case may be. And I have no problem with that. Um, as long as you're staying out of the way, yeah. um, where you get other guys that'll come up too, and they'll try to get out, they'll get out in front of the dog and they're looking for blood or whatever the case may be. And they don't realize that they're disturbing the area and, you know, making it harder for the dog. Um, you know, we, we try to tell the hunter even, even beforehand, we try to get the message out to hunters when you're tracking, stay off the trail, yeah. stay off to the side or whatever the case may be. That way, if it does come down to the point where you need a dog, that there's the least amount of disturbance there as possible. Mark the trail well and all that kind of stuff. You know, the toilet paper is your friend, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, clothes pins or the little, yeah, you know. Tax or something. Yep. So anything, anything to mark the trail is so that we, it gives us a better idea too that when we're first starting, you know, if we're on the right track and the dog is doing his thing or whatever the case may be, usually the dog gets, you know, the hunter may have tracked for three hours the night before for 40 acres and it takes the dog five minutes, yeah. you know. So that's the other thing too. Even if you, if the blood trail is sparse and you can follow it, um, if the weather's hot or whatever the case may be, the dog can save you so much time um, where it may have taken you, like I said, half the night to find the deer. The dog can do it, you know, in yeah. minutes. Is it, uh, does the temperature outside make a difference as far as the dog's ability to, to, um, to yeah, pick up the Yeah, um, that's, you know, when I was down in Missouri, I learned from, from Mark, this guy, he, he learned a lot about scent and, and what it does and, and, you know, humidity and all that kind of stuff affects scent. And, and you know, even the canopy, if there's a canopy, you know, with the trees, it preserves the scent. If it's out in the open, it burns the scent away. And um, the thermals going up and down. You think of that when you're deer hunting, you know, for a deer to be able to smell you, um, it's no different for the dog. You know, at nighttime, the thermals are coming down, you know, and the scent stays down. Actually, I prefer to track at night versus the daytime. With a good light, I can see better at night than I can in the daytime. And the scent thing is usually better for the dog and it's cooler at night and there's more moisture usually. But moisture and heat and all that kind of stuff affects... The, the dog can smell the same either way, I think. But it's the what it does to the scent um, itself. Um, gotcha. So, anyways. Well, um, you you said so. You said that uh, that your dogs can, they can pick up a certain a specific deer yep. out of out of, but they're also so. What are they? What are they? I mean, so they're 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 learning that deer scent, but they're also picking up the scent of the blood as well. Um, that what they're, what they're actually tracking is a deer has an inter, a, de, a gland in between their toes, interdigital gland, and that secretes a, a real waxy substance. But that's, it's no different than us having a fingerprint. That's like a deer's fingerprint. Really? So gotcha. every deer smells different. 
Um, and a wounded deer is going to give off a different scent than a healthy deer. And whether it's adrenaline or whatever the case may be, if it's coming through that gland, um, if it's the dander of that deer, their hair, blood, whatever else is coming out of that particular deer is going to smell different than another deer. And um, I've heard some other people talk about scent and, and how a dog deciphers scent or whatever the case may be. And I heard Jeremy Moore, and you know, Jeremy Moore from Dogbone, um, talks about how I've heard him talk and, and how he talks about um, how dogs smell. You know, you walk into a room and you smell pizza. You're like, man, that's pizza. That's really good pizza. And he'll say, a dog will walk into the room and you're like, oh, I can smell the sauce. I can smell the pepperoni. I can smell the cheese. I can smell all the ingredients versus just the overall. So that dog is picking, picking out those things. So, so then, <clears throat> go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just thinking back to it's tracking the scent from, mm -hmm. the, from the glands as opposed to the blood trail. So right. theoretically, if you've got two wounded deer in the same area, dripping blood in different places and they cross, crisscross. Um, most times, if we're on that deer in particular, the dog's going to stay on that deer. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, uh, it hasn't really happened all that often, but it does happen to people where, where somebody from a neighboring property can shoot a deer and they cross paths. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden you have a crisscrossing blood trail or whatever the case may be. Um, typically the dog will stay on that particular deer. Um, but we, you've, I think there's been cases where they take the wrong one and you're at a different deer. Um, but there's been some instances there where you come up on deer too and people say, ah, oh, it's not my deer. Yeah. You know, wow. uh, well, it really is. They just, yeah. Just smaller than they oh, are. Yeah. Yeah. A ground <laughs> shrinkage. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of ground shrinkage. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever see, uh, or have a shitty dog? I mean, like one, like this is, this is not working. <laughs> um, I, I, not that I've owned. Yeah. Um, but I, there, there are ones out there that probably aren't created equal, yeah. so to speak. Um, I will say that my current dog is better than my old dog. Oh, yeah. um, I, I would say my old dog was average. Um, you told you told before we started recording. You told us about your uh, your first dog. Yep. Tell us again how how you came about. That was a pretty cool story. Oh, well, um, it was cool. I, it was I was yeah. uh, working at our rec center here in town, and and I was looking for a second dog, <clears throat> and um, I got one of the customers that are clients customers people that came into the rec center, yeah. um, he had mentioned that there was a dog in the pound and um, it was said it was a German short hair. And, and uh, so I went down to the, our pound here, which is at the wastewater treatment plant <laughs> yeah. in town. It's not like a, yeah. a big city pound or anything like that. And I asked uh, the guy who ran the wastewater treatment plant if I could look at the dog. And um, she was just a five month old puppy at the time. And she got out and ran around and, and you never know what you're getting at the pound. You don't know what kind of dog they are or whatever, but it sure, she sure looked the part, you know, she looked like a German short hair. Um, she ran like one and did, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it ended up the, a girl that had worked for us as a lifeguard there ended up being a dog from their breeding, um, where it came about. But, um, I, I went to pick her up that day. I asked my wife permission. <laughs> um, she told me to go ahead and do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And, uh, so I brought her home. And I think this is the story you're, you're talking about here with my son that was uh, two years old at the time laying in the, laying in the living room floor sleeping. And uh, he started crying and the dog, 
the puppy darted into the other room and I went chasing after because I didn't know what was going on. And uh, she laid down next to him, put her head on his, on his chest and he stopped crying. And I, I told my wife at the time, I said, I think we'll keep her. <laughs> I just think we'll keep her. Yeah. Um, but she's been, yeah, a, a, she's been a good one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, does it matter if it's male or female or did you want, does one have a, um, a little better? You would, you would, some people tell you, yeah. Some people tell you, no. Some people tell you males are more driven than females. Um, they just don't say that to women. Right, right. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I have all females. Yeah. Just because I feel like females are easier to keep, but then, um, and less messy males mark all over everything a lot of times and, and whatnot. But, um, I, I tend to think females, um, learn a little quicker than the males do, but I don't know. Then you have to deal with heat cycles and stuff like that. If you're, if you're not going to spay them, but, um, all my dogs except for one are spayed. So I don't have to really worry about my tracking dog is spayed too. So we don't have to worry about yeah. her being in heat during tracking season. But that's a big, that's a big thing where a lot of people decide male, female, um, just to stay away from the heat cycles. But, um, I don't know. It's whatever you prefer really. Yeah. And like I but said, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not well documented and well. No, I don't think so. Females. I don't think so. If you look, if you look around, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> you talk about no. The, I had another the, question. The legalities, I'm yeah, in different yeah. states. Um, currently, there are 37 out of 50 states that you can legally track in. Now, Oregon and Washington, yeah. are not. You can't. Um, naturally, naturally, right, yeah. right. You can't do anything there. <laughs> no. um, those states in the Northwest are. But they're, the, and the rules are, are different. Behind the curve. Going from state to state. Now, here in the Midwest, they're pretty. They're fairly consistent, but Minnesota you can't track in. Um, I don't think either the the Dakotas might be on their way to to passing it. Um, Iowa's one where it's kind of sketchy. Um, there's some in the Northeast where you can't, um, but most of the other states you can. But there are leash laws in 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 most of the states where the dog has to be on a leash. But there's some states in the South where you can where you can turn Cut the dog loose. loose. Yeah, which ups your success rate substantially yeah um i feel like the biggest the biggest drawback i shouldn't say the biggest drawback um the biggest handicap for the dog is the handler you know the dog knows what they're doing um but they take the human element out of it and let the dog do its thing um a lot of times uh the dogs are a little more successful um so why the leash law i mean what are um, they they worried about if you think around here you think that the the deer is um you know, the king of everything. Sure. Around oh, here yeah. drives everything. It's the it's the money maker here yeah. in this state. And I think the DNR is really panicky and overprotective over deer and you th- think they're gonna you're gonna run deer with your dog or hunt deer with your dog. Mm-hmm. Um well you think of it and the other thing well, here <clears throat> is that the, the parcels of land are very small. Yeah. Yeah. And before it, you com- know it, your dog could be on a exactly. neighboring property you know, or something like Everybody owns that. a different forty here. And especially with, with how, how protective our people are, are of deer, um, they, they don't want you on their land. Um, so it depends if you have um, neighboring landowners that are, are willing to let you track and whatever the case may be, but you might be, you might be sure. three landowners yeah, over totally. before, before you can get to your dog or whatever the case. So I think that's part of it too, where, where people are really sketchy about yeah. 
letting you do that. Um, so well, that's I, one of the one of the things even, here. You know, if you're tracking during the day, I would be leery of my the safety of my dog. Right. If he's out there and yep. he's running across Jimmy Lipper's farm, you know, right, back right. forty, he's going to get <laughs> right. some 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 lead. Some shot. hot lead, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if you, you look at it too, where um, depending on the season too. Um, neighboring landowners and I, I don't want to be turning my dog loose in the middle of the day when during the in the, in the rut when somebody's yeah that would hunting or, right <laughs> yeah um but uh, the other thing is is in wisconsin you can't carry a weapon um even the weapon of season when you're tracking with a dog so even if it's daytime legal hunting hours like say if you went to track without the dog you could take your bow along right yeah or whatever the case may be as soon as the dog comes along i'm glad that's still legal you so. can't you can't do that, um, which that's kind of tough because if you get one that's I'm sure absolutely. you've run across them, they're wounded yet yep. or they're down. It happens a lot. You um, got to run all the way to back. Walk the, well, you, you have to walk the dog back and have the hunter go get their weapon and yeah. and, and go try to dispatch the animal. But our laws here really handicap us as trackers. Were you surprised when you started getting into this um, as far as, or, or were you aware of all those laws? No, I was, I was aware of those, yeah. um, but it, it, it's fr they're really frustrating, to be honest with you. Um, and, I th and I think more so it, it handicaps us more than anything. And it's, it's, it's being overprotective, in my opinion anyways, it's being mm -hmm. overprotective of the deer and not thinking right. of really the welfare of the deer yeah. versus... Well, they're looking at the the the, the overall herd right, rather like, than the individual deer you're right after. right like I my my job or or what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find that thing as quick as we can and if it's wounded it, whatever the case may be I'm looking to to put it out of its misery as quick as possible that's our main goal you know that's what we want to do um, but the laws don't let us do that you know the law says we can't carry a weapon the law says we can't carry a weapon at night we can't do that at night. Um, even the law says that we can't, uh, we can't turn my, I can't turn my dog loose. Well, if I can turn my dog loose and I think of down South where some of these guys are doing it, um, they're waiting less time to track animals because they can turn their dog loose and the dog can bay up the deer and they can walk in there and they can kill it and it can be over quick yeah. versus I might chase this thing, yeah. you know, miles before we catch up to it. Yeah. And the deer's suffering that much more, or whatever the case may be, where the dog can stop it yeah. a lot quicker. Um, but you always have those people that are, like I said, overprotective and are thinking that you're going to harass the deer and everything else that you're chasing. And, and when you have a well-trained dog, the dog isn't chasing healthy deer. You know, they, they, my dog doesn't chase healthy deer. You know, she's not interested in healthy deer. The deer can get up in front of us and she just looks at him, puts her head back down, and goes to work. They know what their nice. job is, so it's it's. They're it's worried about this, and we got wolves crawling around everywhere. That's right, right. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, like in like I said, in other states they can do that. In other states, there are some states too where you can, where you can not only turn your dog loose, you can carry a weapon. But some other states, you have to have them on leash, but you can carry a weapon. Like some of like New York and the Northeast, um, they have to be on leash, but they can carry the tracker can carry a weapon. You know, so we come up on a on a deer, say gut shot deer's laying there, um, and we can we can pull the dog off and and dispatch the animal, and have it be over with. Wisconsin, we do that, and they can even do that at night. Let's say we do that and it's midnight, and we come up on a deer and it's laying there. Yeah. Well, now the DNR tells us that we have to pull out of there, leave that thing lay, and now tomorrow morning it might not be there, 
or yeah. it's going to lay there for another six hours and suffer and then so die. What, like what? Yeah. Okay, so you, you can't do anything at night. Right. Doesn't no. Regardless of circumstance. Right. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Weapon or anything. Legally, they can't. Guy can't yeah. go back by himself without even not without, at night. Yeah, not right. at night. So, hmm. yeah, that's pretty. That's tough. Are you? Yeah. So, is it a pretty tight community? All you guys. I mean, you said there's. there's, um, there's yes and no. <laughs> I think it gets to be. It, hmm. It is and it isn't. Um, you, the, when it gets to be a competition between people is when it starts to yes, get that's what a I little was. bit edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys get a little bit jealous of other guys and, and whatnot, <laughs> or you feel like you're stepping on someone else's toes. It's just like anything else. There's, there's unwritten rules, hunting rules. Um, but for the most part, you know, we're pretty tight-knit community in the fact that we, I, I give calls to trackers all over the place, and they do the same. Um, I, hey, I can't get to this one call so-and-so you know we got a I got a list of trackers all over the state that you know if somebody calls from somewhere likely I have you know there's somebody within an hour of where they are that I can give them a number to um and we're all in it for the same thing um but you get guys too that are charging money to do it um and then that's where it gets a little competitive too because guys are trying to make money doing it and I don't I mean I I do it just to do it Really, you don't charge at all. I, I'll, I'll take a tip. Yeah, but I don't charge a mandatory fee. Yeah, or you don't charge a mandatory fee. Um, you know, these guys that are charging a fee, they get a little upset. Sure. You know, but I guess it is what it is. Yeah. Anything where somebody's trying to make money at it, there's yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a business. But you're, whatever it is, sure. but the conservation aspect you mentioned earlier is very important to you. So yeah, I mean yeah. that, and and the way I look at it is. I like to hunt, you know, and I like to hunt with my dogs. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be out hunt. I'd be out bird hunting with my dog. I'd be out bow hunting, or I'd be I'd be hunting, yeah. doing something. So for me to say I'm going to charge money to take my dog out and do this and hunt, um, is you know, to me it's ridiculous. I don't. They don't pay me to go out and bird hunt. Yeah. You know, they don't pay me to take my dog out and run yeah. coon or bear or whatever. Some people do when it's a guide fee or whatever the case, but. Um, it's just something that I like, sure. you know, that I like to do, that I'm passionate about. I like That's to watch awesome. the dog work. So, um, yeah, a guy could make some money yeah. doing it. Um, I know make some do. money. <laughs> I can, right, yeah. you can make some tips doing it. Yeah. Um, and not to say that I don't, but mm-hmm. I mean, guy, I mean, yeah. you find a 150, 160 class deer. Yeah. People are pretty happy, and yeah. even sure. if you, even if you don't want to take money, they're gonna yeah. give you money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. gonna tip you money, um, but. And the fact that um, the other thing is with charging money is that you're going to get people that don't call you because they can't yeah. afford to do it or they just don't want to pay it. Mm-hmm. But I sure. think of the fact that you think of this, this community around here, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of low-income areas around and people that are, you know, you get people that are paying a lot of money for leases and different things like that up the road. Um, but there's also a lot of people that are hunting with hand-me-down camo and hand-me-down bows that can buy their tag and maybe that's about it and they're trying to feed their family doing it now so they they wound a deer you know so now i want to i'm not going to give them the opportunity to to recover it because i'm going to charge a fee that they can't afford sure Um, that's the way i look at in that aspect of it but then you can look at it the other way too um where these guys are paying fifteen hundred dollars to lease a 40 you know and they've got a thousand dollar bow and you've got five hundred dollars in camo and you've got i mean you just go down the line and what you can't pay $100 or $150 to recover your deer. 
So you look at both ends of it. Um, and I can, you know, I'm, I'm not going to badmouth somebody that wants to charge and, and I'm not going to look down on somebody that doesn't want to charge. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I but think I know it, why I'm doing it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. That's the and maybe most important thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that, uh, you know, I, we know some people that have hunted in Texas and have, have done some uh, hunts down there for mm-hmm. whitetails and they've shot some some large deer that they have not been able to find and, and you know, the, the ranch hand. a few hand, hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. And then and, some? And then some. <laughs> I remember... Uh, pay the tag fee anyway. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, you, you pay a lot of money to go down there, but yeah, those guys are proud of their stuff. I mean, it was like 500 bucks just to get the dogs there. You know, and then it was, some it was pretty crazy. well. There's some pretty yeah. well-known guys in the tracking world uh, down in down in Texas. There, mm-hmm. and I just wonder if it was one of those guys. But Could have been Roy Roy Hines. It might have been. It was. Uh, it was around the King, you know, ranch. It must. It might have been. Yeah, yeah wears a cowboy hat. And Could be. I I was not fortunate enough to be on that hunt. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, a guy could. You know, there are guys that do that that um, travel around and follow the rut. Mm-hmm. Oh, know? really? And that's. I mean, if you start up here, the ambulance you follow, right? You follow the rut. Yeah, you follow the rut and go down. Yeah. Um, that'd be a pretty cool gig. Yeah. Um, there's some guys that are retired that are down in Georgia that do it. Um, and he starts in Illinois. Really? And he works, him and his wife travel together. She drives him around and uh, she's his chauffeur. And <laughs> the guy finds a ton of deer. Cool. But yeah. he goes on a ton of calls too. Um, I think la- one of the last year, the year before. It's like 130, 140 deer he found wow. in one season. Wow. That's got to feel good, though, like you said, just to yeah. see um, the range of emotions. I mean, we all see it as hunters. You know, you, yeah. you've, you've, we've been at the lowest of lows, and you get to the highest of highs, and that's, I mean, that's an awesome feeling, and for you to be able to kind of provide that, that's got to be yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I just think last year, a friend of mine and I, we went up, up north. We were just talking about the tornadoes up there, um, and we were up there hunting, or he was up there hunting and he, and he got shot at his biggest buck. And, um, we ended up, I ended up going up there and we tracked across this marsh with standing water. You know, it was a five or 600 yard track. It was a fairly lengthy track. Um, but there wasn't really any blood to speak of. And he had had no chance at finding this thing without the dog. And he would have never looked in that direction or whatever the case may be that, you know, he, the, the deer cut directly across the marsh. And when we found it, he, he was ecstatic, yeah. jumping around and hugging me and whatnot. And, um, but that's how it is. I mean, yeah. you find that's somebody's awesome. biggest deer. Yeah, that's payment <clears throat> enough right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and they're like, the dog, that dog is awesome. That dog is awesome. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know, it was all right, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's done she better. She did what she was supposed to do. Yeah. It didn't look that pretty, but. I'd give her too much um, here. Right, right. <laughs> You know, but you're gonna swell her but, head. <laughs> you know, the thing with the dog is, um, it's, they're 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 a dog. They're not a robot. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna have good days. They're gonna have bad days. And some days they can look like a superhero. You know, you can go on a half mile track that has hardly any blood, and they can walk you down it in five minutes. You know, and you have some tracks that that are half that length and take you two hours, and they struggle. Yeah. Um, but some days they, you know, good days and bad days, and just hopefully the. The good the good days you know outnumber the bad days by a lot, but um, no, it's a fun gig, man. I, I really, like I said, I, I would really rather do that. I, I had some, I was talking to some people, and um, I said, if I'm if I'm walking out the door to go hunting, 
and the phone rings for a track and it sounds like a fairly decent track. I'm putting my stuff, my hunting stuff away and I'm grabbing the dog um, in a heartbeat. And I don't think I was, I was it wasn't always that way. Yeah. Um, it's kind of gotten to be where, and there's times too where I'm like, man, it gets to me in the middle of the rut and the phone rings nonstop and I look at my wife and I'm like, come on. Yeah. You know, and she's like, what? What? Yeah. You act like you don't like it. Yeah. You act like you don't like it. You know, and when I get out there, then it's like, then I'm, you know, sure. you know why you're out there, but yeah, sure. Um, but it, it's, it, it becomes addicting. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, so far, it's like anything else. Far more, sure. uh, obviously, archer season's your big, your busy season. Yeah, which you is. You do some gun too? Yeah, which is really weird. You know, I, I think there's at least as many, especially with the amount of hunters here in Wisconsin. There's at least as many deer, if not more deer, wounded during the nine-day or the rifle season than there is during the archery season. I mean, tenfold. But the mentality of people during the rifle season is way different than it is during the archery season. So Dean's coming on record as saying gun hunters are not as good of hunters as bow hunters. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if I would Uh, say that. It's just a different mentality. Oh, totally. Um, You know, you get a a lot of those rifle hunters or gun hunters that in this, this is not the majority mm-hmm. where you get people that if they don't see the deer drop, they don't yeah. go look for it Yeah. or, but they, there's a different approach too, where instead of at least here anyways, if that deer takes off after they shoot it and they know it's wounded, they might set up a drive or something else yeah. to push that deer out and try to kill it right there rather than wait to go ahead and, and track it at night or to, or it goes onto the neighbor's property yeah. or whatever, you know how that gets weird like that. But um but the majority of my calls are during the archery season. I'd say ninety-five percent. You know, I had a few calls last year during during muzzleloader. I seem to get more during muzzleloader than during rifle season. And for whatever reason, um the the muzzleloaders aren't leaving the blood trail that, you know, a rifle does or whatever the case may be, even with the as big as the bullets yeah. are. Um it's it's crazy. We had one that we recovered last year um, that literally bled just specks over a few hundred yards, and it was shot in the chest. Like, how does this thing not bleed? You know, my nephew shot one too. Bad shot angle, but straight on. Um, and it lodged in the deer. But we literally, with a 50 cal, could not find the entrance hole. We looked and looked really? and looked and, until wow. we were skinning it out is when we found it. I couldn't wow. believe how small it was. But you could, you just couldn't find it, and the, and the bullet was lodged in the back leg. Uh, but that deer never bled a drop. Well, that we could see. Um, it's a heavy do- coat too. The the dog know. the dog walked within minutes. Really, you know, walked right up to it. But um, but you have no idea. He you know, cloud of smoke mm-hmm. and and whatever the <laughs> case is. He's like, I don't know where it ran. Yeah, you know, and he looked all over <laughs> for it and couldn't find it. And the dog, like within a couple minutes, yeah, found it. But you know, the archery the archery season. Um, is definitely the majority of the calls, and um, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, um, that's the case. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. why, but well, that makes what's sense. The, I mean, uh, yeah, Nader had a good question. What's the most common thing you see where the hunters make a mistake or or bad shot placement? Um, I guess there's two different questions. Yeah, there. yeah, two I mean, different. Well, is it is it usually a bad bad shot, or a lot is of it times it's a bad shot, but a lot of times there 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 might be a deer that's recoverable. Um, and they've just pushed the deer too early. And you know, we get a lot of gut shots. And the dog, the dog loves gut shots for whatever reason. Um, 
uh, whether there's more scent there or if they like that scent or whatever the case may be, but the dog does really well. We have a really high recovery rate on, on gut shots, but you get hunters that push that deer too soon and now that deer gets a little shot of adrenaline and now it's gone. You know, whereas it might go 100 yards or 200 yards and lay down and bed down and maybe die there. Now it's gone a half mile or three quarters of a mile or a mile. And if they would have just left it lay, you know, because I always ask, well, how long did you wait to track it? You know, if they gut shot it. Well, well, we waited a long time. We waited like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay, two hours. You know, you should be waiting like 12 hours. You know, and that's the hardest thing to do as a hunter is to wait, especially if it's a big deer. Um, but then they, they start to think that they made a better shot than they did or whatever the case may be. But the number one thing is definitely pushing a deer too soon. Um, the, the more you time you can give them, the better. <laughs> I mean, you can't. Yeah. You can probably uh, assume that yeah. they may be maybe fibbing a little bit too when oh, they say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and that, that, become, that comes in my interview. Um, yeah. when, I'm, when I'm talking to them on the phone, I might ask the same question, but I might ask it in different ways yeah. throughout the conversation. And it comes out in the wash for sure. Um, whether they're, hey, oh, wait a minute, you just answered that question different before. You just told me it was doing this, and now it's doing this. Um, and a lot of people tell you anything to get you out there. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I like the guy that's truthful and says, you know what, hey, we, we went after it too soon or whatever the case may be, or just be honest with what's going on. You know, um, I'm much more likely to come out if yeah. I think you're being honest about it rather than if you're trying to you know, feed me a line. Do you hear that, everybody out there? Don't lie to Dean. Right, don't lie. I'll yeah. figure it out. I'm like a detective. <laughs> I'm like a detective. Yeah. Um, so is the, is the gut shot, is that the, uh, the paunch? That's your most common? That's the uh, most recoverable, I would say, for sure. Um, but you, you were talking before, um, what's another error uh, that hunters make? And, and you talk about that, you know, a lot of people wait for that quartering away shot, really like that quartering away shot. Um, but a lot of people are aiming way too far forward, especially with archery equipment on a quartering away shot. And I'll, I'll get that all the time. I'd probably several dozen times in a season where a hunter will say, I, I made a perfect shot. It was quartering away. They go on and on and on. Well, I made a perfect shot, but we've tracked it a half mile and we can't find it. Yeah. Well, if you made a perfect shot quartering away, you're standing on it within 150 yards or 200 yeah. yards. Yeah. So what, what they're doing is they're aiming too far forward. They're tucking it right behind the shoulder. And that, the way the rib cage is made, you know, on a quartering shot, you know, when it's tapered like that, that rib cage, that, especially with archery equipment, that, that arrow goes and it glances right off the rib cage and it usually goes out the brisket in the front. Um, and that's just a meat wound. That deer's going to recover. And you're not, I mean, you'll see it again. Uh, guys will see him again, but they're probably not going to die. Yeah. And that's a, different, that's a difference with archery versus rifle too, is that you're shooting a stainless head into an animal, and if you if you, you don't get them in the vitals, um, the meat shot it's going to scar over, yeah. and they're going to they're going to live um, m much of the time. Um, versus a rifle that's carrying in all kinds of debris and hair and whatever else, and that gets infected, and the deer might die, but it might take a couple months for it to die. Um, but you see some pretty crazy things as far as, as where deer are shot and how far they go and just how tough they are. Yeah. Um, just double, double lung deer that are shot that make it 400 yards or, yeah. or whatever. Doesn't make sense, does it? No, no. And, you know, single lung deer that are shot, people automatically think they shoot a, sing, a deer in the lungs mm -hmm. or a lung and it's going to die. Yeah. And they live 
all the time. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Scars over and they, yeah. Um, we've, we've had some in the past. We had a really big deer in the past actually that, um, the guy shot with a bow and then his son shot it later with a gun mm-hmm. two months, um, whatever, a month later. Yeah. And it was healed up and it looked like it had you not known the deer had, it was split G2s on both sides. Yeah. And had you not known, you know, that that was the exact same deer, you would have, and it, had you not been looking for it, you would never have seen it. Wow. But the, the hide was all healed over. Mm-hmm. And he said when they gutted it out, you could see the scar in really? the top corner of the lung. Yep. It had a, like a scar in the top corner of the lung. Yeah, you think a blood. punctured lung. Yep. And that, Man, and it, that's crazy. But the thing is, like, the lungs are, not all parts of the lung are created equal either. Mm-hmm. You, you know, especially when you've been doing this for a while, you, you learn a little bit more about deer anatomy and where, yeah. Where you can hit them and where you can't hit them, mm-hmm. and, and you know, um, people say you hear all the time, you know, high lung, that's great, you know, low lung, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, then what do you think about that? Lower, lower yeah. and more forward, the better, because there's more, more of the blood vessels are toward the heart, yeah. than than in the back. You know, when you get the back, there's some capillaries that are back there, but it's not enough that's going to bleed a deer out, right? You know, where you get lower and forward in the lungs, that deer is hemorrhaging and. Yeah. It's dead in short order. Plus, it's you know the collapsing both the lungs or, or whatever the case is. If you get a back in there, it's really not going to all. It, I mean, that back corner of the lung there is really isn't going to do much. Um, but just people not really knowing deer anatomy either. Yeah, is, well, is tough. I, you know, I wrote an article when we started the the crave, and I, I wrote one about uh, people shooting, people airing on the on the on the gut side. Instead of rather, because people and even me growing up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and granted the archery equipment that we had back in the day was not what we have today, mm-hmm. but it was always, you know, you were so afraid of the big bad shoulder, you know, and mm-hmm. when you really look at it, there's not a lot there. I mean, you have to hit it pretty square right? in, yep. you know, in the shoulder bone to actually not get any penetration. Right. You know, you're usually hitting the leg, you know, yeah. the, the, the humerus bone the, yeah. rather than the shoulder blade, which is way up, yeah, you know, and, and even you, that, a lot of that stuff, you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna bust right through it. So, um. you know, and if you think about it too, and if you look at deer anatomy, and and how their how their backbone comes and dips forward in the front, and you got the big long spines, yeah. you know, and the shoulder blade sits right over the top of those. Well, if you're shooting through there, yeah. there's no there's not lungs there, yeah. you know. So if you hit it high enough to actually hit, you know, if you're up high enough and you hit the shoulder that high. There's nothing there. Yeah. You know, it's a meat, it's a meat wound. Yeah. Um, but you get the illusion that like, oh, I, you know. Hammered it. It looks hammered. good. It looks yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. It's just so, yeah, mm-hmm. the anatomy portion of it. If you, you know, I think the best thing people can do, especially learning, learning deer anatomy, number one, obviously when you've got the deer, I'm, I'm like a, yeah. little, I mean, a little kid, man. <laughs> I'm gotten them, when we're gutting them out, I'm looking, where did we hit the, where did the, where was this deer hit? Yeah. You know, and I want to see where it was hit. And, and what, it, what, you know, as far as what the deer did, how it bled and all that kind of stuff, you're learning everything. Um, but when you process your own deer too, you know, you're boning them out and you're, you're, you're cutting the meat away, man, you can... You learn a lot, yeah. I, I actually posted on my, my Facebook page, I posted on there uh, a picture of the rib cage and, and actually the spine sticking up off of there and, and how the rib cage tapers. And if you just look at it from that standpoint, um, you can learn a lot about where to shoot and where not to shoot. Um, you know, for me, I might tell people to shoot back a little ways mm-hmm. for the simple fact that I got a dog right. and it's going to be, I shouldn't say a slam dunk, but if that deer's dead, yeah. odds are we're going to, if we do the right things, we're going to find it. 
you know, versus if you're tracking just by eyesight, you know, you might be a little, um, so I, I, you know, I'd say stay away from the shoulder a little yeah. bit. Um, <laughs> stay away from the front part of the deer. <laughs> it's, you know, the other thing we talk about archery equipment too is the angling shots. And we were talking about rage broadheads before. And, um, and it, I would say just expandables in general. Um, the whole thing about, you know, better penetration, whatever the case may be, it's all BS. We know that because it takes kinetic energy to open those things. Well, but you think about you opening those big blades too on an angling shot, you're opening yourself up for deflection yeah. a lot of times, especially, you know, with a deer that's angled or whatever the case may be. And we see a lot of that where they hit and they glance and they angle, you know, they do all kinds of weird stuff. Um, whereas I don't think you get that as much with a fixed head, mm -hmm. you know, there's no, not, a lot, of, totally not a lot of moving parts. Yeah. No. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. Well, if you look at that, yeah, that razor thin, you know, yeah. inch and a half blade too, you know, that's a lot of surface area too. Yeah. You got to push well, through. And, you know, my, one of my dad's bigger bucks here, he had shot and he had, it wasn't even an, uh, the angle was because he was just his angle in the tree, but yep. it entered and the entry wound looked great and i remember it, that remember deer. that deer yep yeah i sure do the neighbor found it yep uh and a yep. few days later and the, and the exit hole was down it shot right out the bottom yep you know glanced and, out. Uh, no i i would should you find that a lot of i guess you it's kind of tough to tell because expandables kind of dominate the market well that's what i was going to say that, right and we have the most amount of tracks from expandable call you know expandables but, but that's what is out there that's what most people are shooting. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say. Yeah, and I've I mean, seen them do bad shot. Bad shot's a bad shot. Mm -hmm. You know, if you put a good shot on a deer, it doesn't matter what head you're using. Mm -hmm. You're using sharp blades. Yeah. It's going to do its job. Um, but I think you, you really get into, um, it gets sketchy when you get angling shots mm -hmm. and big, big diameter broadheads. Yeah. You know, you're opening yourself up for Yeah. Well, for I think people get a little ballsy too. When they, you know, like, hey, I can make the shot. I got this giant, you know, two and, yep. two and a quarter inch and I, I can put it wherever I want. It's going yeah. to bleed. It's going to die. Right. And maybe and that, that is a the misconception case. there too. Yeah. Uh, with people think that if a deer is bleeding, they're automatically going to die. And I've seen deer lose a lot of blood and you don't come up with them. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, they got them on camera or whatever the case may be. A, well, meat, a meat wound will bleed a lot. No, I think another misconception, Nate and I, we've talked about this off, off camera, maybe on camera too. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> just people, when they, people say, oh, there's blood everywhere. Oh yeah. yeah how little bit of, you know, a right. cup of blood, how you can make that last right, and right. go and go. And the, the, the thing I'll say to people is, if I had a, have you ever had a bloody nose? Okay, stand there with a bloody nose once for five minutes and see how much blood is there. It's going to look like a murder scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to yeah. look like for sure like somebody got killed right yeah. there. Um, but deer are a whole lot tougher than people too. Yeah. Um, and you can see, you know, blood the amount of this table yeah you know mm -hmm. where they get a stood, paper cut yeah anything where, like where they stood, stood where they've stood for down five or, or ten minutes you know deciding on which way they're going to go and it's a huge amount of blood um and all of a sudden it disappears usually not a very good sign um typically they don't bleed less as they go right <laughs> bleed <laughs> more as they go um but yeah I, that that's that's a definite that's one where um Man, there's blood. There's blood everywhere. It's funny that you said that because people say that all the time. I made a perfect shot. That's that's one of the, that's one of the yeah. best ones. Too. I made a perfect <laughs> shot. There's blood everywhere. Well, why are you calling me? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. if you if that was the case, um, you'd not be calling me. So let's 
Yeah. Let's kind of get to the bottom yeah. of this. Or you Let's need to seriously up your tracking. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right? For sure. I mean, sometimes there's a, there's a weird, you know, there's an odd case where they do really make a good shot, perfect shot, and the deer just, for whatever reason, doesn't bleed. Um, or they just can't find it off the, off the get-go. Sometimes when they take off, they might not bleed right away. Um, or there's weird cases where, um, where the hide and the muscle don't line up with where it goes through the rib cage. You know, the deer might have been flexed and turned, and they shoot. And now when the deer runs, now that muscle wall covers up oh, the, sure. the rib cage. Yeah. Well, now there's nowhere for the blood to go. And the only blood that you're getting is from the, from the flesh, which might not be very much. Well, I never really thought about that, but that makes sense because how many times you recover a deer it's, and you look at the entry hole, but all you're seeing is the, like the, the through cut the hide. through the hide and it's, being, it's covered up by either fat yeah. or, or yep. muscle. Yeah, it's like or, four inches from the, yep, the had, entry yeah, to I've the body cavity. You stick your finger in there once and it's, you're into the rib cage, yeah, and you got to follow the rib cage and all of a sudden right there it is. It happens a lot. Um, and that's an answer to why some deer don't bleed versus others too. Um, you think, do you think guys' egos sometimes... Uh, oh, for sure. They, they don't call you yeah. because like, I don't yep. need a dog. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've heard people say that uh, just in passing. Oh, you, you needed a dog to find that one. Who cares? <laughs> okay, yeah. Who cares why? You're right. Leaving yeah. it Bravo. Died. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Bravo for calling somebody yeah. Yeah. to find Instead your of letting it rather letting than letting it sit there. Waste. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. You know, it took you two days to find it. Now it's rotten. Right. Yeah. You know, the dog found it in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm patting the guy in the back for You're making kidding. the call. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. But th- that's, you know, you guys, you know how some people are. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, they wake up and piss excellence, yeah. Right, or they're just, they're just mad at the world, and they they're jealous of somebody else who, you know, it might be a, a huge deer, and instead of saying congratulations, oh, you needed a dog to find that one, yeah. yeah so what? Yeah, hunting, uh, especially, um, you know, me living in Wisconsin in the Midwest, and then going out going out west, it's uh, yeah, it's it gets pretty personal around here. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. It gets so it, I, it seems like it brings out the worst in people. You sometimes. know, I, I've had this conversation quite often and where did that where did that turn when did that start happening in my opinion it started happening when qdm started coming around now as much as much as it's done for the quality of our deer in the state because wisconsin produces some huge deer but qdm for those quality deer management Okay. And, gotcha. and, you know, it, it got to, you know, it, it, when it first started, people were shooting two-year-old deer or bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and people put in their own little sure. rules and whatnot. And, you know, some places are now, you know, some of these leases are 150 inches or bigger or whatever the case may be. Well, obviously and the you quality... you get your ass fined if you shoot something smaller. Right, right, right. <laughs> and the quality of the deer have gone, has gone through the roof. But what it's also done, is, in my opinion, is really brought up the worst in people. You know what I mean? It's really brought up the worst in people because now um, friends are fighting over shooting someone else's deer or shooting a deer that's too small. Family members are fighting. You know, there's people that don't, in the same family, don't even talk to each other anymore because they got in a fight over a stupid deer. I mean, what, people's moral compasses are screwed up when it comes to that kind of stuff, in my opinion. You used to be able to go anywhere here and knock on a farmer's door and be able to hunt. And now... You can't do that because people are leasing up land. Now, I don't blame the farmer because the farmer's yeah. got to pay his taxes and got to sure. do whatever. But that's just, it's become that. Mm-hmm. You it's know, commodity now. I mean, like, it's, right. there's a value. You, you got to pay to play. Mm-hmm. It's become one of those deals where you got to pay to play versus, yeah. you know, being able and to just go and knock on It's kind of unfortunate, too, because, 
You know, I mean, if you have a lot of money, you can lease up some pretty phenomenal land and, and lock it up and, you know, all of a sudden you're the best hunter in the world because every year you're shooting 160 inches. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I <laughs> Take that with a grain of salt, man. You yeah. can do the right things and do all the right things, but if you, if you don't have 160 inches on your property, yeah. you can't shoot 160 inches. Right. Um, well, and even, you know, I, I would, to kind of piggyback, and then Nate and I have talked about this before, is, um, you know, outdoor television too. You know, it's like you see all these shows and it's, you know, these guys passing up, you know, 150, 160 inch deer. And it's like, man, that's not reality. Right, right. I mean, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be anyway. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and not that that's wrong. I mean, if you have the means, that's, that's all good. But it's, it's like it's our industry has put so much focus on, oh, sure. you know, you know, who's got the, who's, you know, friends, family in the outdoors, Mossy Oak or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It should be, you know, antlers and, you know mass whatever it's it's right. just, it's yep. backwards for sure so for sure and I, I mean i use this as an example of some friends and i lease some land and you don't get it very often anymore where where a guy shoots a deer and they're happy for the other guy yeah. you know i called up my buddy when i shot i texted him when i shot my deer mm -hmm. and i thought i told you this story before i thought it was a deer that he had passed up <laughs> and he was excited as, as if he shot it, you know, he was happy for me. He's like, congratulations, man. That was awesome. You know, and he, we came up on the deer and he's like, I don't think I've seen that one before. Yeah. That wasn't the deer, but he was genuinely happy yeah. for me. Yeah. And you don't get that anymore. And, and I was, and I was genuinely happy uh, when he shot his deer on our lease. You know what I mean? It was, it's, it's one of those things where that, that's a fun, that's fun to lease with people like that. Um, when you're, when you ha kind of have the same ideas, shoot what makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. You know, what might make me happy is, is something yeah. like this. What might make somebody else happy might be a 160 incher, you know, but whatever it is, it is. Um, and I'm not going to force my opinions or my views on someone else. It's the same thing with tracking and charging or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So take private fun land, out of like it. you said, private land. I mean, in, in the West, everybody kind of has fair, it's, it's like we all go out there and we all go elk hunting and, and, you know, everybody's kind of got a fair shake, you know, there's right, very right. little private land or, or, you know, a sure. lot less of it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's people's entire life. It's fanatic, oh, for fanatical. Sure. Yeah. Right. It drives mm -hmm. everything that they do mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So do you so have you any, uh, like, like memorable tracks, any, you know, top three that were either good or bad or ones you, you know, like, man, if I would have done this and, um, I tell this story, this happened uh, two years ago. It was just kind of a funny, everybody's like, do you have any funny stories or any <laughs> goofy ones or whatever? We like uh, funny people that you meet. <laughs> right, yeah, man, you get some, yeah. I usually try to take somebody along with me if I think it's going to be a, a weird <laughs> yeah. one. But um, no, this was uh, a couple of years ago, and it was during, during gun season. Um, I got a call, and a, and a guy shot a deer, supposedly a huge buck, on a drive, um, I won't go any more, any more into it than that, um, that he shot this, shot this huge buck on a drive and they couldn't find it. Um, so we, we met him at a gas station. We followed him what seemed like an hour back into the middle of nowhere. And I, I was thinking like these guys were going to drive us back into the middle of nowhere and kill us or whatever. <laughs> but, but anyways, um, we, there ain't we, no we, deer, is there? Right? We, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but we, we get back there and it was kind of a, a weird deal to begin with. Um, they were, they were, he, he shot it off of a unnamed road. So it was a, 
it was legal to do, but um, couldn't find where this deer had crossed or they had tracked it a little ways already, but couldn't figure anything out um, where anything was. So we searched and searched and searched to try to figure out where this deer actually crossed the road. And finally, I had just uh, kind of let the dog free search for it. And within literally, we, we had searched for trying to find it on the road for I don't know how long, 15, 20 minutes. And I let the dog free search for about two minutes and she found, boom, and it indicated right there and she found a chunk of bone. Well, this guy had told me on the phone that the deer was shot in the shoulder. I said, Usually shoulder blade doesn't chunk off or anything like that. Yeah, it's a flake it's or more cartilage. So I thought it was a, thought it was, it was leg shot and I was pretty sure it was leg shot. But anyways, um, we, we track and we track and we track and this, this, this deer makes a big loop and it comes back out and it literally, the, the deer had to have crossed right where this guy was standing. Right. It was across this gravel road, right? He's like, well, I shot it right there. How did you not see this thing come back across unless you were <laughs> gone right away? I don't know. Maybe he went to look for it like, when he went, it came behind him or whatever. But um, we, we ended up going and it was through the, the worst, nastiest swamp you know, that I've, that I've been in. And it was half freezing, half not freezing. So you're breaking through the ice all the time is miserable. And, uh, we get way back in on this and, uh, we come up on this deer and it's, it's bled out. It's shot through the femur. It was shattered. It was shot through the leg, but it was a doe. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, um, did you walk up on it first? Were you yeah. First oh yeah. It? Yeah. Then me and the dog, I'm like, I was expecting this giant 12 pointer, like he said, you yeah. know, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, we found it, but it's a doe. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That must've been the doe that I shot at first. Oh, wait a minute. Are you he, kidding? Yeah. No, never <laughs> told me anything about the doe that he shot at prior. <laughs> But so apparently he got two shots off at deer on a full run across this road. And the the first one was a doe that he shot at. And the second one was a buck. So we actually hit the doe. Clean clean miss on the buck. And he got me out there to track this. It was in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. But it was rewarding. The dog did a fantastic job. And the dog doesn't care if it's got a rack or if it doesn't got a rack. So it was a pretty cool deal. The the deer, I don't know how it didn't bleed. as much as it did, but, um, can you, can you tell by your dog's, uh, mannerisms when they're getting close to the deer? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I can, the dog for whatever reason, and this sounds kind of crazy, but I can kind of tell by the dog's body language, if it's a mortal wound or if it's a, if it's just a muscle hit, a lot of times a dog is much less interested in the track, if it's a if it's a non-lethal wound for whatever reason. Now, if I, I don't know if that's just canine instinct or what it is, um, but the, she tracks a lot more enthusiasm if this is a really? dead deer um, versus one that's just a muscle hit, you know, shoulder hit or whatever the case may be. But yeah, when we start to get close, she'll start to get she'll kind of catwalk, you know, she'll get real cautious. Oh. Yeah. And whatnot. She's been because she been, figures it's there somewhere. Well, right, and she's been, close. but she's been nailed by a deer before, where it's kicked her, or like in a cornfield. We come up in a cornfield, and you can't see, you know, you you me away. And she's at the end of a thirty-foot leash, and she comes up on one that's bedded in the corn, and she either gets, you know, nailed with one you know, with its rack, or 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 hammered with one with its hoof. 
Um, so she's came back a couple times, tail between her legs, where <laughs> yeah. she's gotten zapped before. So she's mm. usually now when we, we start to get close, she'll start to get pretty cautious. Um, she'll a lot of times pick her head up and start air scenting and looking, or she'll start catwalking and get real real nervous. Um, she used to get real nervous when we come up on them if they were still alive, um, but now she seems to get cautious on pretty much if, even if they're dead gotcha. when we come up to them. So mm. yeah, I'll tell the hunter a lot of times. Be be looking, be on the lookout yeah. because her body language is telling me that it's getting close. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's alive or if it's dead or whatnot. I said be be on the lookout for one laying ahead of us or or whatever the case may be. So that's neat. I had one with my nephew too. It's probably my most memorable. His it was his biggest bow buck. Um and he shot it uh almost straight under him and it was like one lung shot. Um and it went it went straight under him, tree stand. Yeah, he was up in the yeah. tree and he had shot it kind of angling back a little bit, so it hit the back of the lung and, and went out and went out the guts, but it was like one lung, liver, guts. So anything that came out the exit hole was plugged by the guts, and it had to fill up to bleed out the top. You know what I mean? So he didn't bleed hardly at all. And so we got way – I got in probably 40 acres on this track, and the dog was pulling like crazy, and I got in there – and all of a sudden this, this buck gets up and takes off and runs. Yeah. And I, my heart sank because I thought it was this deer. And so I'm watching this deer run away. So I called my brother's 40 acres back at the last blood. Yeah. And I, I called him and I said, hey, uh, how big a buck was this? And he's like, I don't know. He thought maybe it was an A-pointer. Yeah. He wasn't sure. He didn't, he saw it was a shooter buck and, mm-hmm. and that was it. He took his mind off of it, which for a, for a 12 year old, it was it's like pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so I'm standing there and the dog is, is like pulling like, and I'm thinking, well, you just want to go after the one that just took off and she's pulling and pulling and pulling. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's just walk up to see where this deer was laying to see if I could, if there was a bed with blood in it or whatever the case may be. And we walked 20 yards and she walks up over this log, boom, and there it lays. It was laying there dead. So this other deer was laying there, and it was bedded pretty close to the dead deer. Yeah. And it took off running, and I thought it was the actual deer. So I, <laughs> so I called my – then I called my brother, and I'm like, um, I found it, but don't tell him. Just come down here because I want him to tell him that, you know, I saw one take off. Let's, let's walk up here for last blood. And it was, it was neat because it was bit. all ferns. It was, it was early season. Okay. So it was all ferns and it was tall and in there and it was laying over on the other side of this log. Yeah. So it was really cool. He walked up and I'm like, I think the last blood's right over here. Yeah. And we walked up and it's laying there yeah. and he's like, the look on his awesome. face, it was awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? For it to be my nephew too, it yeah. was pretty cool. Um, and being his biggest buck, it was, all, it was 11 pointer. It was a pretty nice buck. And, um, awesome. But it was pretty neat for him. Um, and plus to kind of pull a little, yeah. pull a fast yeah. one on them. To yeah. Shenanigans. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> was, I think it was right here. I don't That's know. That's cool. I've done that a few times where we've walked up on them and I'm like, ah, I don't know. Come up and tell me what you think yeah. here. I don't know. I think we got some blood up here. So just play with people a little bit, but usually with people I know, not with people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not with people I don't know. <laughs> Give me a heart attack. <laughs> right. Right. So no, but there's oh, it's that's, something that's, different all the yeah. time. You know, the neat thing too, is I get to see a lot of a lot of different property. <laughs> yeah. You know right. what I mean? Pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. Property have you, too, uh, sure. I mean, expanded your hunting. I haven't. And I, you know, I haven't. Um, <laughs> and I've, and I've thought about that too, whereas people listen, you could jump right to the head of my, uh, pickup list here. Right. Right. right uh, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, you, how much money do you want? Nothing. I just want to hunt here. Yeah. You know, 
Um, I've thought about that, but uh, I haven't come I haven't come up on any of those. But that would be that'd be definitely nice in some of the properties that we hunt or that we that we go on for I sure. I bet. I bet. Um, we're up in Tigerton at the leases quite a bit, so mm -hmm. um, yeah, to have some of those properties would be yeah would be pretty nice. Yeah, for sure. But that's cool. You got so, some form here? Yeah, I got one more question. So the, uh, there's a lot of wolves in the northern part of the state and mm -hmm. stuff now too. So it just made me think. Uh, to ask if you run into any predator issues out there, um, coyotes or, or coyotes wolves are or coyotes are our biggest even? one. Actually, um, I haven't ran into any wolves. I know there's wolves around here, um, but we have we have had actually had a case a couple of years ago. My dog, for whatever reason, does not like coyotes. Um, she they freak her out or whatever. But we we had a, a liver shot deer that we were after um, that it got into a pond. And actually, before we got to the pond, we could hear coyotes down near this pond and there were three or four of them down there and they were yipping and howling and they were fairly close and we got down to that pond and uh her body language changed big time she got real cautious and, and wasn't sure and and uh then not long after that there was a coyote that was real close that was challenge barking us like oh really yeah less than 100 yards away really and it, it was and every time that thing barked she it was it was distracting her and uh, that was a deer that we ended up not finding that the hunters found a couple days later. And I, I attribute it to that, 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 the, that was too, it was too much, of a, too much of too a distraction spooky. for her. And that's, mm -hmm. we've had cases too where we've come up and there's been coyotes that have totally destroyed a deer. Yeah. Um, but nothing that's really pushed us off or, or um, I guess really scared us or anything like that. But, um, you know, a lot of people ask if I carry a weapon or carry a sidearm or whatever. Number one, I can't. I'm not supposed to. Um, but I guess I've never really felt yeah. threatened enough to well, Especially when you get a dog, you got usually with a couple yeah. of guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got the dog right there with um, you on the, the leash, Coyotes are too. getting a little more bold um, as far as that goes. There's not as many people hunting them anymore and trapping, and you know, fur is not worth much. Um, they get to be pretty bold, man. I mean, you get on a, you get on a fresh kill and you gut one out, and they're they're following you out, yeah. you know what I mean? Or they're right on the gut pile not long after you can hear them yipping and, and stuff like that. But um, I haven't really had many issues with them, but um, I know it scares a lot of people off as far as if it's wolf area or whatever. We tracked a bear last year in like in the prime wolf area in the northwest part of the state, and I didn't have a weapon. And we were, I mean, it was so thick that, I mean, I couldn't see you to eye away. Wow. And Spooky. Yeah, right. And the dog's on the end of a leash pulling, and and I'm like, man, this. And we're tracking a wounded bear, and yeah, just having a wounded bear yeah, situation. Yeah, we've, we've had a couple of those too. Where we went after. I'll never do it again. But we went after a bear at night, um, which I don't recommend to anybody. <laughs> but um, we were tracking this thing in the middle of the night, and my dog would go into a berry thicket and then come storming back out yeah. and mm. I'm taking off with her <laughs> and I'm like sorry yeah. dog you're getting yeah. it before I am I'm, yeah. I'm out of here but yeah um we had to pull off of that one it got onto some land that we couldn't go on mm. but um you do quite a bit of bears um no not a not a ton and and I wish we would get more bear calls but it tends tends to be where the way our state is set up bear wise um if you're in this zone you tend to get more calls in the zone in zone c down here because you can't run hounds, but a lot of guys that if they wound one, they'll try to call up hound guys and just run them with hounds. Gotcha. Um, which isn't probably ideal either to run a 
run a, a wounded bear yeah. with hounds. You can get ends up getting hounds hurt. But, um, but yeah, we don't get a ton of bear calls. We get a few every year. But um, bears a tough animal to track too. They stink to high heaven, but oh yeah, they don't bleed a lot um, no. typically with the fat and the hair and everything yeah. else. But uh, They're tough cookies. Yeah, basically paintbrushes on the outside right, of your body. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big yeah. bowl of lard with a hair on, hair on them. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We haven't had a lot of issues with predators, but more so predators eating, yeah, eating what's there. already got to the carcass yeah, before you did. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's one of the things where a dog can save you a lot of times, too. Um, but you know, we've, had, we've had cases, too, where we, we've, had our, we've made decisions to push a deer because of uh, there's high predator density here and, or weather or whatever the case may be um, where you push a deer earlier than you want. Um, and it doesn't turn out in your favor, but you end up jumping the deer or whatever the case may be. Um, but you know, the, the predator thing is definitely one of those things you take into consideration where how much time do you give a deer? Because if I, you know, if I give a deer this much time while I get to it, it might be gone, you know, so it's unfortunate, but it's something that you deal with. Yeah, sure. That's cool, man. all I had. We're kind of up against it. So, um, you got anything else? Nope. Cool. Right. You got anything else, been you, fun. anything else you want to talk about, dude? Mm, anything know. that people need to know about? Or where do they find you? They What's wanna, that? I said, um, you got a Facebook well, page? There, I have a Facebook page. Um, I, I'm not a member of United Blood Trackers, but in other states, um, and anywhere actually around here, there's there's a group called United Blood Trackers. They, they um, promote um, awareness in, in, in blood tracking and using dogs to track. And they're kind of the voice um, as far as getting it legalized in other states um, and different places like that. But they have a they have a website, unitedbloodtrackers.org, and you go there, and uh, there's a thing on their website, a drop-down menu where you can find a tracker, and you can click on any state, and there's a list of people that are oh, United cool. Blood Trackers members, mm-hmm. um, and you can find a tracker that way. Um, you know, most of my calls around here are word of mouth. Usually somebody knows somebody that I've tracked for, and it's that kind of way or um you can i mean you look on facebook for blood tracking and and now it is a lot more popular than it ever has been um so you could probably find uh find somebody through that way too but the united blood trackers is a pretty good way to find somebody in your area i mean we have probably a dozen or more trackers that are listed in the state for that um which quite a few of them are right in this area too but um so yeah. I got one more for you. Are you, you you talked quite a bit about the legality of um, what you can do mm-hmm. as a tracker in in Wisconsin. Are you are you involved uh, at the government level at all trying to get that changed as far um, as leash laws? I, I haven't sidearms? been, but um, I, I definitely that's something I'd be interested in is definitely looking into the leash law and more so um, being able to carry a weapon to dispatch an animal. I just think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. From a moral aspect. Um, putting an animal down as quickly as you can. And I think if you, if you take that stance or that argument to it, I mean, I don't, anybody that has any sort of common sense whatsoever, if you're thinking through conservation or the, the welfare of the animal, um, you're going to want to put it down as soon as you can. And, um, or at least, at least let the tracker carry a sidearm. Right. To and I'd be, I'd, I'd be as willing to go as far as to say, hey, let me, make me buy a, a license for it a, yeah. light, a fee to track and that allows sure. me even if my dog has to pass a test 
my dog, I think Michigan has to, Michigan does that, where um, the dog has to pass a certain level test to track, to, to know that it you know, could show that it can do what it, it's supposed to do. And then that allows the, um, actually allows the, the, the tracker to carry, I think it's actually the, the hunter to carry a weapon um, with a licensed tracker. But I would rather with my dog, it yeah. be me carrying the <laughs> yeah. weapon versus whatever. And then yeah. it's usually the weapon a season, which, you know, you, archery equipment or whatever the case may be. I've come up on a lot of deer where had I had a shotgun or whatever the case may be, we could have made short work yeah. of yeah, one across, even was, a crossbow now well, yeah. in the state. Right, you know, right. It'd be um, tough to, if you're tracking them at night. It'd be tough to dispatch them and take another shot with a compound bow or, right, to, or right. archery equipment anyway yeah, yeah. at night. But, um, but yeah, that, that's one of those things that I would love to see changed. The leash law I would love to see changed too because I think it would help us, but I don't know that that's ever, especially here with the, with the we talked about that before with the small parcels of land. I don't think that's a that's a that's one of those things that's going to fly. Um, you get people that are so crazy about their deer, their deer crazy. Um, and they're going to run, run their deer off in the neighbor's property or whatever the case may be. But in reality, that's another misconception that, um, you get a lot of people that might not let you track because I'm not going to let a dog go in there. You know, they don't understand that myself and the dog make a lot less commotion and a lot less disturbance than five guys walking through there yeah. or six guys walking through there and grid searching and pushing Got every... blood over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're disturbing a lot less. And the number of deer that we see that we walk by that are bedded within 15 or 20 yards of us and we just walk right by them and they look at us and stay bedded and the deer, you know, the dog and I walk by. I mean, that happens a lot. You know, that's not happening with five, six guys no. walking through the woods. No, not at all. You know, all. looking for blood or whatever the case may be. So there's a misconception there um, with how detrimental it is to, to bring a dog in to your property. It's really yeah. not. It's a good point. Um, so. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate you coming over. And, uh, it's interesting. Yes, I learned a lot. We usually, we usually do yeah. a what, what, I, you know, what, what I learned at the end of the uh, show, but I, I, there's too much. I don't know. Yeah. I learned a lot. You know German somehow. Yeah, right. So. I, could talk, I could talk. No, I could <laughs> talk dogs, a and, dogs and deer all day. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, no, it's fun, man. It's, it's something that I really, really love doing. And yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really cool. Um, I knew you were into it. I guess I didn't know because I've known you a long time, but uh, I didn't know it was this this big of a passion. That's pretty cool. So if you had to, uh, we also do Would You Rather, which we I knew this was going to be a a fat episode, so we don't want to squeeze in too much. But if you had to choose, running dogs or bow hunting, I'd run dogs. Yeah. I've kind of figured that was the answer. Yeah, I, I've I've said this to people before too. Like even other animals, whatever, would you hunt if you couldn't hunt them with dogs? I, I wouldn't, especially bir you know, birds, people goose hunt and duck hunt and whatnot without dogs. I mean, that's the whole thing for me. If I didn't do it with my dog, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Pheasant hunt, no, nah, I wouldn't walk around in a field or walk in the grouse woods and try to just flush grouse and hunt yeah. them. I would gotcha. prefer to do it over my dog. So yeah, I would definitely rather, I would choose dogs over. Yeah. Over deer. I don't think Nate and I would do that. I don't think, I think ours would probably sway the other way. Yeah. But, uh, I'd, I'd love to like come and, I mean, just to see you work or, or blood tracker work. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. It is pretty neat to watch if you, especially if you've never seen it before, then, then you're like really like, whoa, man, that's really impressive and, and whatnot. But 
you know, when you, when you watch it for a while, even if the dog isn't, doesn't do the, the best job, because it's a misconception, like the hunters think the dog could do a terrible job, but you find the deer. Mm-hmm. Like, man, that dog's like the best dog I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? That was really terrible, yeah. actually. What you just yeah. watched was really yeah. bad. Yeah. We got to the end, yeah. but that was mm-hmm. really bad. Yeah. Um, sure. And well, then for them, it's all about the, the oh yeah, if you find the destination, it you know, right, journey. right, exactly, yeah. right. If, yeah, for us, it's the process, like, and for me, it's definitely going back and critiquing what we did. If you yeah. want to get better at it, you got to look back, and, and you got to look back at it and, and be really critical of yourself into the dog if you want to get better, especially as a team or as a handler or whatever the case may be. And I am, there's nobody harder on me or my dog than myself. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, if, if we suck, I'm going to tell us, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to tell them that we suck, but <laughs> um, man, we suck today, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch. Uh, I'm going to look at my GPS. You know, I, I track everything on my GPS. The dog is a tracking collar on. Um, I really don't need it because she's on a leash, but um, for me, in case she gets away, a lot of times I'll have to drop the leash to, to get around some brush or whatever the case may be. But, um, it, it, it allows me to evaluate at the end of the track too. Um, how to, how did this look? And you can, you can look, I can look at the overview of the track. I can look at the, the, just the bird's eye of it and look at it and you can tell where the dog struggled and where she lined out and where she, how she did good. And even if I can't remember that on the track, I can always go back and look at it on the GPS. And now I've got a, you guys got your GoPro. Um, I've got a verb camera that, uh, that I got for myself and I've got one, or I've got a mount two for the dog. Oh, um, cool. So I, I plan on, on doing a little more of that. And it's more to the, just to evaluate tracks myself, just to watch us and watch the dog's body language and whatever else. Um, just to learn from it. What could we have done different? You know, there's, you learn more from the ones you don't find than the ones you find, you know. How often do you come? It's probably fairly common, but I mean, when you, when you get a call out and you, you're running with the dogs, I'm sure you've got a, a lot of instances where it actually teaches the hunter something new about tracking themselves. Even oh, absolutely. Dog. Helps um, them learn more about, yep, you know, deer yep. behavior. And I, we take every opportunity I do, and I'm sure other trackers do too, every opportunity you can to educate a hunter on the what to do and what not to do, um, things to look for blood-wise, um, the spatter of the blood, um, the color of it, the consistency of it, how much there is, um, where it's, you know, how high it's wiping. I mean, there's so many different things. My wife would be so <laughs> proud that you said spatter, not splatter. Yeah. She's a forensics gal. <laughs> there so. you go. But um, just, you know, the way it, the way it, does that on, on a leaf can tell you the direction the deer's going, whether, you know, if you don't have any tracks or anything like that and uh, the consistency, the color, it all tells you where the animals hit, you know, and you could have everything on the track tell you that it's one wound, but all of a sudden there's one little piece of evidence that says, wait a minute, the guts might've been hit here. You know what I mean? We talked about the guts plugging up the hole and all of a sudden maybe you have the flesh wound and it's bright blood, it's bright blood, it's muscle blood. And all of a sudden there's one little dark spatter of blood that has some grit in it. Oh, guts, you know, or, or anything, how high it's wiping or the volume, even the volume of it too um, can tell you a lot. But um, most of it's like how long to wait because if you don't get one a lot of times, you know, they've gone after it too soon or whatever the case may be. Or even, you know, a lot of hunters don't know, walk off to the side of the trail or, or you talk about taking the old fashioned way is like, well, if you can't find it, take a bunch of buddies out there and grid search. Well, that's an arch enemy of, of a, of a blood tracker with a dog. 
yeah. because you're bringing all sorts of contamination in and walking all over the track. You might have three guys walk right do- directly down the blood trail, you know, and they've getting that all over their shoes. And now they come to a loss and now they spread out and they make circles. Well, now you're just confusing the heck out of the dog. You know, the dog's running around like, well, it went here, it went here, it went here, <laughs> you know. Um, but the dog learns to deal with that too. Um, the dog starts to kind of figure that stuff out and the more season they get, they can kind of work through some of those things. Um, we've, we've been on some too where, um, where a guy will, you know, have been in their grid searching with a bunch of guys. We had an old guy that we tracked for four hours, like f- three guys grid search for four hours and the dog found it in seven minutes. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. all right. Yeah. Wow. Like, well, grid I swear we walked by this thing a couple yeah. times yeah. and it was, it was in a, it was in a, it was in a Lebanon marsh or Lebanon swamp. And it was, it was terribly thick in there. And they'd walked by this deer. The deer was alive and bedded yet. That wow. was gut shot and it was alive. And so we had to walk the dog out and he had to go back and get his bow and, and shoot it again. But yeah, they'd walked by this deer. I don't know how many times wow. <laughs> laying there alive yet yeah. behind yeah. a blowdown. Um, but and it was so, light out. Sounds like if they went back. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy. It to was do. in the, it was in the morning and the dog like literally walked right up on it. I mean, all of a sudden the leash went slack and I looked and I'm like, she's staring this thing right in the face. I mean, they're yeah. like, whoa, man, I got to reel, try to reel her in yeah. real quick. Yeah, so she didn't get nailed, but cool. he tried to get her. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't have much left, but yeah. he tried to go at her like this and, and I pulled her back. But so then we walked her out and walked back in there. We knew the deer wasn't going anywhere. So he walked back in there and, and we, I loaded the dog back in the box and she barked for a half hour straight while we went back in there. Hey, wait, if you're going back, I want to go back. Right, right. So, yeah. yeah. Cool, man. A lot of interesting stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have to do this again. I mean, we'll be back again, I'm sure. So maybe during deer season next time. Right on. Maybe a live episode. Hopefully not, but maybe we'll. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, (laughs) that would be cool. That would be cool. Sure. Well, awesome, man. Appreciate it. Right on. All right. All right. Uh, Thanks, Steve. Again, if uh, you need to find, uh, if you're in the central Wisconsin area and you need uh, some deer recovery service uh find dean, dean look us up on facebook yeah muck dog recovery service so all right yep cool thanks man you bet